Hey, sports fans! Welcome to our podcast exclusive OTR Sidelines, where we step off the court and have off the record conversations with our friends from the sports media industry. Migs Bustos, Chesco Liton Kalao. OTR Sidelines. This is off the record. Hey, sports fans, this is Migs. And Cheska, welcome to our podcast exclusive OTR Sidelines. Where we step off the court and have off the record conversations with our friends from the sports media industry. And for this episode, we're joined by our good friend, of course, from all over. He's been in so many uh, basketball coverages and volleyball coverages, also from ABS-CBN Sports and now with Signal Boom Gonzalez. Thank you so much. For joining us here in OTR Side Dance. And for today, we're going to talk about Boom covering the UAP basketball finals throughout the years. Boom, when I mention that, what comes to your head first? A lot of games that I have probably forgotten also that a lot of like social media followers or friends just remind you randomly about, oh, naalala mo to, naalala mo And some of them really can't remember in detail. But there are some very, very memorable games that I've done since from, uh, 2003, 2004. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's, there's a lot. There's a lot. Of finals, especially. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot. What is the most standout moment for you so far? Okay, that's a tough one. Um, and it might, my answer will be a little strange in the sense that the stand, it stands out, unfortunately, because of something that happened immediately after the game. Um, one of the craziest finals that I remember covering uh, was the sweep of FEU over La Salle. Now, I don't remember the year, whether it was 2005 or 2006, but it was Arwen Santos, Joseph Yo, wow. those years. Right. And super exciting, competitive. Uh, Araneta was crazy at the time. And uh, La Salle was about to win game two to extend to game number three. They were up, I think, around four points or yeah. And then Arwin Santos made five spectacular points in a row, a two-point shot, a putback, and a three-point shot. And that was his MVP year, both in the finals and a regular season, if I'm not mistaken. Game number one, they won. And then after, I think it was Yo and Santos still trash talking a little bit. And the camera, I'm talking about the post game now, the camera is on yeah. them, they're trash talking. And the team manager of La Salle steps in, I thought, initially to try to break them up. But he slaps Arwin Santos at the yeah. back of the head. I don't oh, know if you guys right. remember that. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if he was team manager, Mr. Salgado, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah, yes. and he was banned from all the UAP competitions. I think that was game one, I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, pero the, it was a come-from-behind win in Arwin Santos, who was spectacular that whole year. Uh, you know, won it in the last few seconds and then emotions, as you know, uh, you know, running high. So I remember it for Arwin Santos' play and that incident because which somehow overshadowed the yeah. game, unfortunately, as you know, you know, things like that happen. But oh, yeah, it's one of the things that I remember. One of them, one of the many. That's a long time ago, 05, 06. Yeah. Boom, as a broadcaster, uh, do you do something different? When it's like finals, 
Um, I try to get as much as possible because I'm an insomniac already to begin with. Um, I think Czech knows that we used to work together a lot also back in the day, even for the PBL. So, you know, we were was doing college and then PBL and then volleyball, you know, so sleep was always a problem for me. So I try to get as much rest when it's the finals because for different reasons, the, when it's the finals, you stay on the air longer because of all the things that you have to do. Uh, as you both know, um, the crowd's energy, you feel it too. And it zaps you also. I always say when you do finals games and it's like 20 to 23,000 people, it, you feel like you get hit by a truck or do cheer dance competitions. You feel like you get hit by a truck. Talaga. And I say that in a great way. I'm not complaining. It's a, the energy is just triple, quadruple. So it really zaps a lot out of you. And then, of course, the usual stuff that you have to come in prepared. Don't, don't expect to rely on stock knowledge or just watching games. And sometimes the preparation eats into your sleep. So that's also a problem. And I love to eat, so I make sure I have a good meal for sure before the game. And then I just try to breathe a little deeper prior to the game because there are so many distractions that happen around the Coliseum, as both of you know, focusing on the game and on the broadcast, not just the game, on the broadcast, your partner, your courtside reporters, your director, the product in general, you have to focus, especially as an anchor, as a facilitator. Uh, and sometimes it doesn't always work. Sometimes you fail, sometimes you make mistakes, but it's all, it's all part of it. It's all part of the learning process. But yeah, preparation is key. You mentioned this earlier, we worked together ages ago, so we actually experienced covering games without social media. <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah, very um, much. But also, you more so than I have, because you are in the anchor seat. You have also covered so many, like, numerous finals games in the UAAP, and obviously you have two <laughs> very passionate sides. Right. Two incredibly passionate sides who just want to see the best from their teams, the best from their players, the best from the coverage. Uh, mm -hmm. What was the most difficult part um, having to navigate your broadcast and obviously the sea of fans who expect a certain standard when it comes to the coverage? No, I, I'm glad that you brought it up, honestly, uh, Jack. It's not something that I, uh, I avoid talking about uh, uh, even with Mix before I've had this sort of conversation before that, you know, one of the reasons why you and I, check we're lucky also is that we were trained out of social media before social media came in. When it came in, it wasn't a validation for us. You know what I mean? It's an add-on, mm -hmm. uh, opinions and all of it, but it, it was, we were never based on it. I didn't have the instinct to check right away or do it while the game goes, which is, which is something I rarely, rarely do. So to me, it was, I always treated it as an add-on. It wasn't my focus, which meant I wasn't going to be distracted by it. But I do understand your, the, the reason for your questioning because you will always lose the social media battle regardless of the schools and regardless of the sport. You will always be accused of this or that, and mm -hmm. you will always be accused of being for this team or that team, um, no matter how neutral you claim to be. I don't even come from either of the schools, actually any UAP school for that matter, as you both know. So um, I can't, that's a, a battle I cannot win. So I just stay true to myself. I listen to my colleagues. 
you guys, the directors, the producers, if I'm doing something wrong, uh, the bosses, more than anything else, more than, you know, the keyboard warriors, as, as you know, as you both know, because you won't win that battle. And I don't, if you see, I don't engage also um, in Twitter wars or anything like that, or accusations, regardless if the accusation is about the game, the sport, or particular players, male or female, you know, it, it's just it, a, a war I cannot uh, win, so I decide not to battle. But I like it. You know, I, I, I remember, I think I told Nix this a couple of years ago, I said, I'd rather have it because you see how people are so invested in it, uh, in the games, in their schools, in the matches. And I'd rather have that than people not caring about the league, about the results, about the mm-hmm. plays, and about the smallest things. Um, I'll take that anytime. Because at the end of the day, the important thing is really not me. It's, it's about the players and about the game. So the more that I engage in it, the more that I feel that it was about me. When it's not supposed to be, right? The anchor is there. You have a particular job or us, uh, TV personalities we have. We are part of the puzzle of the of the big broadcast or the production. Um, but it's not about us. So if I try to engage in those things and I make it about myself, I, I love that it stays about the players, about the league, about the coverage. You know, I love that social media exists. But uh, of course... I do not use it. Mm-hmm. I do not get used by it. I use it more more than anything else. I think that's how I look at it. Now, this is something, Boom, I will ask you. I just thought about it just now. Nakatulong din, Boom, and check yung ano eh. We're missing live games. Check, I've told you this before. Yeah. Because I'm missing sport so much. I just we watch random, <laughs> random videos, random past videos. And Boom, I'm going to give you three games. Three games that you've called in the finals. This is on top of my mind, and I believe you've called these games. These games, and can you tell us more about your recollection of that? Two thousand six, Ateneo oh, UST oh, game no. one. Oh, it was cringe. you and DJ Doug Kramer game. <laughs> Doug Kramer game. Oh How wow! Was that, like? yeah. the, that was game number one that you're talking about. That probably is in the list of my most memorable finals, just from an anchor standpoint, for many reasons. One, the moment. Two, it was the first year of Pido Arencio and, you know, the UST gang was all out. Um, I think it was Norman Black already who was coaching at, at the time for Ateneo. They lost yes. the series eventually, but they won game one on an incredible pass. Mati Escolano was in front of me, or his back was against me. He made that pass to Doug Kramer, who at the time was also being accused of butter fingers and all of these mm-hmm. things. You know, the early in his career, but he made a solid catch and made the DJ and I went crazy, which is part of the reason that people love it. I guess one side loved it, our reaction to it, because it was an amazing play with a few seconds, like barely a second, right? But on the other side, when I look back at it, and I've said this in another podcast before, I said something like, Hi there, I'm Mish, host of Mish Conceptions, the podcast that talks about the common struggles of modern-day millennials and Gen Zs as we all navigate through college, enter the real world, and build our careers. Let's talk about the realities of adulting and corporate world that no one will tell you about. These are the things you wish you knew sooner to get ahead in life or simply just to get by. 
Join me in my podcast, Misconceptions, as we discuss maximizing college, life after college, building your career, self-improvement, relationships, and anything and everything that will help you on your personal and career development. So make sure you check out my podcast after you listen to this episode. See you there. I would have probably called it differently, less, you know, excited. You know, this is 2006, so I was four years into my UAAP career, or in the UAAP, so I joined 2002. So I was kind of young also, and, you know, these moments are, like, new to me, and I think I overdid the situation, although some people thought that they loved it and remember it for that. And, and I'm, I'm happy that they do, but... What a final series, you know, there's so many side stories now with the Pido, Norman, you know, and then that game number one and the, the reaction after. And I remember not moving from the Coliseum for a good 30 to 45 minutes after everybody left because I was dead be tired uh, from that game number one. So game number one, like, this is a year after the whole Arwin Joseph Yo thing. And, right. you know, so yeah, they call it, some people say it's, you know, it's one of the best. My personal moments, but I don't think so. I, I cringe, honestly. <laughs> but I guess that's just me. <laughs> Boom. 2013, mm. La Salle UST Game 3. Tang versus Tang. Ah, that's one of my... Mm. I, I love that series. I love that series. I'm glad you brought it up. That's one of the most memorable. 06, 05, and 2013. The Tang versus Tang thing. The media coverage for that was all over. And I'm talking about not just Studio 23. We had ABS-CBN, Channel 2, and, you know, yung mga magandang umaga shows. All of them were, were talking about this because we were going to broadcast the games on free TV Channel 2, not just on 23. And then, of course, the story of the brothers, of the family. Um, we don't have to get into it, but that's an amazing story. How great the relationship is, and yet how fierce the competition was. Um, and I think that was Jarek's last chance to get a title, if I'm not mistaken. I knew he played the year okay. after, but the Atasila Umabutsa finals none. And Teng Jaron kind of solidified. Yeah, solidified his growing status and legend in, in La Salle. Both were. Rookies of the year in separate years also. The family did not wear green or yellow. Yung mga ganun na kwentuhan eh. Maganda, maganda. It's a super really memorable series. I actually have pictures with Jaron Dong Teng because I did the interviews after. And it's, it's very memorable because of the... And USC La Salle, they got into it. The, the schools, the, the fans, the students, they really got into it. Uh, and both were loved, by the way, by the other school. Like Jaron was loved by USC. Jerick was loved by LaSalle. Like, they kind of adopted each other, you know. So it was a healthy rivalry. Nothing dirty happened and no controversies, no nothing. So that was pretty special. I'm glad you brought that up, Migs. Good memory. Mm. Boom, I would like to ask if, if you covered an Ateneo UP final. Ateneo um, UP finals. No, because um, I got married that year. <laughs> so, oh. and I got married kind of, kind of like secretly. So I left the country. <laughs> <laughs> because uh yeah, I, I already planned um twenty eighteen back, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Twenty eighteen, yeah. Eighty one eighty one. Yes. So two consecutive years, what I would do now, because I think I've 
kind of earned the right uh, of taking a little vacation prior to. I mean, because back then, kokonti lang kami anchor or probably konti lang yung minority. Ngayon, you know, there were more. So I decided talaga. And you guys, you know, you have your own lives. You know that there are certain decisions that you have to make already. Mm-hmm. True. Going towards your personal life, right? So I made the decision to do a couple of things. So not do a couple of things. It's your dance competition. I gave that up. And uh, some finals games uh, in 2018 and 2019. So I can take off and leave the country and be out for like a month or two, you know, because yeah. you're working so hard with the yeah, volleyball, basketball, and all the other stuff that I feel like the finals. You know, um, we have some great talent. You know, who could, of course, Miko, Nico were all there. My senior and somebody who's younger than me, so they got covered. And uh, as much as I, I would have loved to do that that finals. It's a sacrifice that I would gladly give up because I wanted to spend time with my wife and my family in Singapore. So. Mm. And I Last hope they will watch right. this so that Poggy points out the side. Bonus boom, bonus. Of course, uh, oh, as of we, as of uh, <laughs> recording this interview, of course, Kiefer Navena signing with the Jordan brand. And I remember mm. this boom, 2007. Mm. Ateneo yeah, Blue that. Eaglets versus De La Salzobel Junior yeah. Archers. He was Junior. 14. What was 14, it like 13, covering... Like that. Yeah. 13. What was it like covering yeah. the young Kiefer? And then, um, well, they eventually lost to the finals and then eventually they were still juniors. But what <laughs> right, was it like right. seeing a young Kiefer, 13 years old, it's like, wow, this, could, this is going to be the next big thing. So, a little quick backstory on that. It's one of the finals that I truly remember also because it was juniors. You know, sometimes separated yan because it stands out, right? There were also some great names. In the, Elorde was there. Pesumal was there. Diba? Kiefer. So, maraming ano, uh, kapasyo. Maraming mga players dun, uh, who eventually became great in college and eventually professional, right? So, that's memorable for me. But also because, and Czech would know this, kind of relate to this because we both cover volleyball. I covered with Mozi a lot, right? In San Juan in the early days. Pag tapos na yung game, a young Kiefer would always come to us You know, and well, we are there. So that's how I met Kiefer when he was like 10, 11, 12. You know, I would meet them because, you know, susunduin na nanay, uwi na sila. And I would hear about Kiefer. And then obviously I got the chance to to cover him that year, not only the finals, but that year. And blown away, blown away with his, There's there was a certain maturity to him at 13. I don't know if that makes sense, but there was a certain calmness and control. He wasn't this frantic kid who was all over the place. Ultimately, he's obviously we all know he's skilled, he's talented. But maraming skilled and talented who are all over the place, right? Kiefer had a certain sense of control and maturity and at a young age, and never shied shied away from the moment, regardless of whether it was on TV or not. You know, so that's what I really remember from those times back then. Now, he's this kid now. You know, nangangalabit lang sa amin sa volleyball coverage back in the day, and now he's like on national TV and showing why he's being called the next one, the phenom. You know, um, at 13 and then eventually 14 when he won the championship, he showed that maturity, control, calmness, and yung willingness to be in the spotlight. Never shied away, even in college, as you know, like tuloy tuloy, and now. Look at him, right? <laughs> the brand Jordan. All right. Of course, 
um, when we do the show, we, we get a lot of comments from people who say, oh, I want to do what you guys do. I would love to cover sports for a living. It's my dream to be like an analyst, an anchor, that sort of thing. And I can say this because I have worked with you. And I, I remember thoroughly enjoying being able to work alongside you because you were Whoa. so generous with your knowledge. You were never condescending. You were never patronizing. If I did something stupid on air, <laughs> you no. would at least pull me aside and say, hey, maybe next time you could do this or that. Um, and considering that there are people who are listening to this who maybe want to get into broad, uh, sports broadcasting as well, what advice would you be able to impart to them? Uh, well, first of all, Jack, that's so gracious of you to say. I mean... You know, we were also both kind of young, even if I was a senior, you know. <laughs> Sometimes I always feel like in in our world, you don't have to mentor people necessarily. Encouragement goes a long way and they'll remember it years after. So um, so that's a big deal that you say something like that. Uh, I always wanted us or whoever I worked with, now, we work in harmony. Like I always say, it's not just about me and the broadcast, you know. If the courtside reporter looks good, I think that will reflect on your anchor also, which will reflect on the broadcast team and vice versa. So I always, eventually longer as I did it, I realized that we always, always had to be on a string. And you were incredible at what you did and what you do, even on radio and all that. So so coming from you, that I, I really appreciate that. Um, but my biggest advice is, uh, I guess the most the simplest advice is you make sure that you do it for the right reasons. If you're getting into it, it's because you, I love media. My family had the media background, so I loved it. I love sports. So it was a great marriage, right? And when I say it, do it for the right reasons, I think more so than any other time in our sports career, or even people who have trailblazed before us, more so now because people have this want to be viral. And, um, you know, that there's a tendency probably that the younger generation might come in with the wrong idea about our work. That's, I guess, how I'm going to say it. The being viral or being popular or, or all the other stuff, I think, is, an, is a, it's a product. It's an after effect of the, the work that you do because there's a lot of work that has to be done. So you got to treat it seriously, which means your love for the field of media and broadcasting and your love for sports really has to be genuine. And you're not doing it because it's screen time, it's likes, it's, you know, those will come. If that's what you want, if you don't like it, I guess, right? I mean, if you do your job well enough, you, I, you'll get the, the response that you would that, that would be positive. And then you get to stay in the business longer than I guess what a lot of people expect, which is another challenge. Getting in is one challenge and staying is with a multitude of talent now and the, the many platforms of all the young people to create their own channels and create their own venues and, and platforms. Is, it's a dame. So there's, there's many reasons to do it. There's also many ways to do it, but uh, make sure that your heart's in the right place. I think that it all belongs. It, it starts from there. It's, even if you think that because you're on TV, it makes a lot of money and all that. Oh, boy, at the start, as you <laughs> both know, 
kailangan mo magtanim talaga. You have to plant your seeds. I guess it will come for people who have made a lot of money in this business, but it will come because you did the right things, you did not take shortcuts, and you're doing it for the right reasons. I mean, that's the only that's the only thing that I would probably say, especially now at the time of social media. I think there are a lot of people who want to, you know, viral and popular quick, the microwave thinking, instead of slow cooking that sinigang so that it will taste <laughs> really good after a long time, you know. So I think... I don't want to lose that value of the slow burn and the slow cooking part. All right. So there you have it. Thank you so much, Boom Gonzalez. Thank you, Boom. <laughs> for guesting on OTR Sidelines as we talked about his experiences covering the UAP finals. Once again, this has been Mix Bustos and Cheska Liton Kalao, and this is OTR Sidelines. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. <laughs>